Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning. Oh my goodness. Holly, you weren't kidding. It is amazing to see faces. <laughs> um, what a glorious sight. And welcome uh, to you guys online. I have sat where you are sitting and it is, ah, oh, it's just wonderful to be with you. We have spent the last year and a bit, the year that never was, the year that never ends, um, sat on screens, um, struggling through the ups and downs of life and Yeah, it is so good to be with you this morning. Um, How are you today? Yeah? Yeah, okay, good. Has it been a good morning so far? Has the to-do list had some ticks on it? Um, Is there a void of activity in your life at the moment? Is responsibility feeling a little overwhelming at this time? Maybe you are half listening to this morning's talk as you are distracted by people in your home, in your room, online, Um, maybe different relationships, different activities, different thoughts are crowding in um, and distracting, maybe vying for your attention. Has it been a hard week, a hard month, a hard year, and today just feels like another hard day? What words have you heard from Jesus this morning? What opportunities of him to encourage you, bless you, love on you today have you heard from him? Or maybe he's been silent again. Was the worship time we've just had a beautiful time of refocusing and coming back to the Father who loves you? Or did you feel like you were watching from the sidelines, unable to engage? Is life feeling a little bit like a battleground for you? Or are you in a season of rest and peace, coming into the wholeness of life in the spirit? Whatever life is like for you today, I pray that this message brings you something of the grace God has for you in your times of struggle. I pray that you experience some peace amidst a bit of chaos. And I pray that you notice the challenge because tomorrow can be better than today. You see, today we are finishing out our time in Romans, this beautiful letter that we find in the Bible It is in the second half of uh, our Bible. Our Bible is split into two parts. We have the Old Testament, which talks about the relationship between God and his people in Israel, and the New Testament, the second story, how Jesus fulfills the promises of God in the Old Testament and welcomes not only Israel, but all of people, all of humanity, all of history into a relationship with him. This letter 
is a letter written by one of the founders of the early church, Paul. And if you want to find out a little bit more about the scene and the context and what's happening in this letter, go back and listen to Phil's talk from April as he sets it all out. You'll find it really helpful. I did. Um, We're approaching the end of this season of resilient discipleship. This is the series dedicated to surviving, and dare I even say thriving, when everything hits the fan. So as a recap, I want to remind us what we understand by the idea of resilient discipleship, and maybe put my own spin on it. So let's start with this idea of discipleship, a word us Christians use all the time. It simply means student, learner, follower, apprentice. It is the idea that we are learning to live a life following Jesus. But what about resilience? Um, Right at the beginning, both Phil, uh, Phil and Viv defined resilience as the capacity to quickly recover from difficulties, the ability of a substance to spring back into shape. Now, there's always a risk when you bring props into a sermon, especially round ones. Um, But it's the idea that we're a bouncing ball, that if you throw it onto the floor, it springs back into its original place, into its original position. You can withstand trauma, and you emerge the same state as you were before. But remember, we're students, we're disciples, we're learning, we're changing. So I'd like to offer a slightly different vision of resilience, not of a bouncing ball, but a blue tack. Where am I going? I hear you ask. So... When blue tack is cold, when it's new, when it's unformed, if you pull on it, it snaps. It's cold. It can't quite cope with the trauma, with the force that it's being subjected to. But blue tack isn't designed to snap. It's designed to stretch. It can flex, adapt, and change. In fact, when it flexes, moves, has a degree of force imposed upon it, that's when blue tack starts to fulfill its purpose. So my question this morning is how do we stretch? How do we make sure that we're ready for life's battles, How do we train? So we're looking in Romans 12. And I'd like to start um, our exploration of this theme today with a little story. When I was little, I loved uh, fables and myths. And one of my favorite was the story of three friends. You see, once upon a time, there were three friends. It was set to be a beautiful summer's evening, unlike today's. These three friends were excitedly planning a dinner party. They were going to sit out in the garden over a campfire. They were going to cook up this beautiful soup. You see, each of them had been growing or producing their own um, ingredients, their own offering, and they were responsible for bringing something to this meal. 
Bob was going to bring the potatoes. He had a fresh crop of new potatoes that he'd just dug up, and he was feeling very proud of himself. Fred had harvested his carrots. He had never been particularly successful in growing carrots, and these ones were huge. He was rather chuffed. Sally, Sally was a bit of a outdoorsy kind of a girl. She liked to go off and forage for stuff. And she had caught a nice plump rabbit, which she was going to submit to the meal. Perfect for this evening's feast. As the evening drew closer, each friend's tummy began to rumble. They looked at their ingredients and each in turn convinced themselves that no one would notice if they, uh, if the soup missed their humble offerings. No one would care if they ate their little portion early. Each conspired to just drop stones into the pot when it came to contribute their ingredients. And hopefully, by the dimly lit campfire, no one would notice. As the soup was served up, each friend realised in horror that there was nothing but water in the pot. They sat there in silence and all ate the water without complaint. We each have something to share. But how easy is it for us to talk ourselves out of bringing our contribution to the party? We so easily rob the glorious community of God's gift to humanity by withholding our individual gifts and reducing the community to flavorless water. So what does Paul have to say about this? Well, let's have a little look. If you've got Bibles with you, I strongly recommend that you open them up at Romans 12, and we are in verse 3. For it is by grace given to me that I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ, we as though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Last week, Viv kicked off this exploration of Romans 12, stating that the battlefield of life starts in the mind. And she is absolutely right. But the battlefield doesn't stay there. In fact, for us to truly be prepared for what life may throw at us, we need to turn our battlefield into training ground. Here in Romans, Paul very quickly removes any notion 
that discipleship, this student, this learning, this following Jesus is a solo sport. It's a team game. None of us can play if you don't bring your contribution. And I don't know about you, but it's always easier for me to have sober judgment about the things I'm not good at. I am a terrible singer. I have been told by many, many, many people that I can't sing. Every now and then I entertain the notion that um, they're lying to me because they're jealous of my wonderful voice. But I, um, I don't think I'm just misunderstood. Um, my daughter was 10 months old when I was singing to a twinkle, twinkle little star, uh, trying to get her to sleep, and she put her hand up to my mouth and at 10 months communicated very effectively, no, no, mummy, don't do that. Sober judgment tells me that I cannot sing. I'm okay to sing in community when we're allowed, um, but please don't ask me to do a solo. However, why is it so much harder for me to have sober judgment about what I am good at? Why is it around my talents that I rob myself of the opportunity to share? Because comparison. I look over and see other people with similar gifts to my own and assume that they're better, they're more experienced, they're more capable, they're more able. So I talk myself out of participating. This church has an amazing ministry of worship. Imagine if everybody looked at our worship pastors, Lauren and James, and went, they do it, I won't. Imagine if Josiah and the guys hadn't turned up today to lead us because they looked over and thought that somebody else could do it better. How impoverished would we be if everyone who leads worship with us so faithfully each week didn't bring their gifts as an offering to the church? How overwhelmed would James and Lauren be if there was no one else that helped? How much harder would it be for each of us to worship the Father who loves us if we didn't have support? But that's true for every aspect of this community, whether it's job club, hub, whether it's compassion ministry, children's work, prayer ministry, the tech team, each of us is invited to participate. We learn, grow, share in community. And when we fail to, we're robbing this community of God's blessing. The alternative to that fable I just shared is a story of a little boy who had a packed lunch. When everyone was hungry and the call went out, does anyone have anything to bring? That little boy brought two loaves and five fish to Jesus and 5,000 men plus women and children were fed that day. There was grace for the little that he had. Dallas Willard describes grace as God's favor in action. The pinnacle of this is the cross. The action of God's blessing for all of humanity took Jesus to the cross to die in our place. It is by grace that we are saved. But that's just the starter. Grace is the rocket fuel by which we're powered. We should burn through rocket fuel. We should burn through grace like a SpaceX mission burns through rocket fuel. It powers us. It fuels us. We learn, we grow, and it is by grace that we do all of these things. Resilient discipleship 
is a team sport. Bring what you have and let God use it well. So we each have something particular to bring. But as a community, we also have what I would like to call a spice palette, a flavor. Paul describes this um, as the flavor of our community, and that flavor is love. Let's read on in Romans 12, verses 4 to 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Love is a verb. It's a doing word. It's not a feeling. The word Paul uses here for love is the Greek word agape. For those of you who have sat through very studious Bible studies in your life, you may be familiar with the notion that the Greeks have at least five words for the one word we have of love. Agape here, it isn't a sexual love or a familial love. It is the highest love. It's the unconditional love. It is giving and entirely unselfish. Earlier in, Paul, in Romans, Paul uses this to describe the love of God shown to us. We hear about it in Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrates his own agape for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And then later, he uses it again to show the kind of love God has for us in Romans 8 37, where it says, uh, for in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who agape us, who loves us unconditionally, completely, giving everything of him all for us, whether we deserve it or not. But now in Romans 12, Paul flips it. And this love that God has shown us, we are called to show each other. How do we do that? Well, like we just heard from Laura, we do it because we're in community. That when one of us is going through something, we all step up and support. When we need that love, we receive it. And when we can demonstrate it, we give it to the people around us. You see, God plants people in families. Each of you were born into a family, whether that family was healthy or very dysfunctional, whether it was a place of flourishing or a place of hardship, the principle remains the same. We learn how to cope in situations and circumstances, first and foremost, in families. When you're a toddler and you fall over and your parents hit, kiss your forehead to make you feel better, when you're bullied at school and they give you advice, when you're having a heated argument with a sibling and punch them in the face, you learn how to cope with life through families. God's family is no different. When we're born again, when we accept the good news of God's kingdom, a kingdom come where God's will is done, where what God wants to happen can happen, we learn again how to live well, 
how to choose every day to submit our minds to Christ, how to bring our gifts to our community, and how to manage our actions and responses. Paul encourages us to learn how to love. Discernment, humility, hospitality, each of these flavors take practice. We stretch, we experiment, we fail, and we start again. You see, we learn here because we don't only need to practice unconditional love here. We're called to show it, not just to our community, but to everyone. And here's where Paul turns up the heat and stretches us even further. Romans 12, 14 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position and don't be conceited. Don't repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I work for a charity that supports the unity across the church to uh, live in family and celebrate what the church is up to. And every day I get to share stories of the church loving well. I get to share stories and encourage the church about how it's feeding the homeless, advocating on the marginalized, celebrating another child placed into a family through foster and adoption. So many different ways over the last 18 months alone that the church has brought goodwill, honor, sympathy, hospitality, joy, and hope to its communities. I've seen the action of love and it's beautiful. But sadly, my job also means I see what happens when disciples don't practice Paul's advice. I see what happens when the battlefields come and people can't stretch and instead they snap. I see the damage done when a Christian repays evil with evil. I see the damage done when a Christian curses those who persecute them. I hear the excuses, ah, oh, but you don't know what they did to me. But then I hear Paul remind me, it's never ours to avenge. You see, 
The painful truth is that resilience isn't justice. They can't be conflated. We don't get to stop people hurting us, and we don't get to stop bad things happening. If this last year has taught us anything, it's that suffering comes to us all. What is on us is how we respond. Are we smashed when we hit the floor? Do we snap or can we stretch? Later, in Romans 13, Paul will get to the role of the law and the courts when it comes to justice. But here, Paul tells us when it's personal, when it's on you and me, we never get to get our own back. We have to choose to trust God and love everyone, whether they deserve it or not. We can't carry the weight of injustice. It's too heavy. We can't carry the pain of people failing to love us well. Just the same as we can't carry our own failings, our own baggage, our own wrongdoings. And Jesus knows that. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Today's teaching may seem heavy. I was complaining to my husband yesterday that wasn't exactly bringing the funny this morning. But I wonder if it's partly because we're so out of practice with this stuff. I feel the challenge in Paul's writings for all of us. And I feel the cost of putting this into practice. But this teaching on love and justice, it's like burdening a balloon with helium. It's more, but it actually makes things lighter. By adding to your situation, you are left with less. Jesus takes it all. Jesus has taken it all. He loves us unconditionally. If you're listening today, if you're sat here today, and you don't yet know that you are loved wholly and completely by God, if you don't know that life in all its fullness is promised to all those who are burdened by following Jesus, I want you to hear it now. You're loved. We've heard it time and time and time again this morning. He loves us recklessly. He loves us with abandonment. He loves you wherever you have been, whatever has happened, whatever you have done. He simply says, come. He will keep saying it for as long as it takes for you to hear it. But when you give yourself to him, it gets easier. So why put it off? If you want prayer this morning, if you want to know what it feels like to live in a community that is for you, if you want to practice living life well, ask for prayer. Hear more about Jesus and give your life to him. And for the rest of us, the challenges in this scripture are not lost on me. I suppose I'm asking you, today do you feel like a bouncing ball? Do you feel like you're just smashing on the ground? 
and you're left feeling a little bruised and a little battered? Are you blue tack? Are you cold and disconnected? Is God inviting you to be stretched? I'd like to invite the band back up. And as we pray to go back into a time of worship, of hearing from God and speaking to him, I'd just like to invite you to stop for a moment. Make yourself comfortable. Open your hands if that's appropriate. And just let God's spirit come. What out of this message is his spirit asking you to take notice of today? Do you need to be reminded that everything in your life is fueled by grace? That he has blessed you abundantly? That the little and the insignificant that you have can be used miraculously and completely by him who gave you the gift in the first place? Do you need to choose today to not let comparison rob you of the joy of being rooted in a community that loves you well and is asking for your love? Do you need to leave the burden of injustice at the cross? Have you been carrying the weight of what has been done to you? And today is the invitation to know that it is his to avenge and yours to live in peace. Let's just take a moment and let the spirit come and guide you in your prayers. Father, you who showed us what love looks like, come You who showed us what it looks like to love those who persecute you, to bless when those curse you. Lord, shape us, guide us, form us in your likeness. And Spirit, I pray that you would bless this community that we don't fall into the trap of thinking that this is a solo sport. Lord, may this community be seasoned, flavoured with love, giving, unconditional, selfless love. And I pray that whatever you are prompting each of us individually, would you help us share that with each other? Ask for prayer, make a commitment, offer ourselves, because we cannot do this alone. We bless your name, Jesus. Bless us, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. 
Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.